Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William Mary's campus. My name is Jenny Helmendaller, and today we are talking to Dr. Valerie Cushman. She is the Senior Director of Engagement and Inclusion Initiatives at William & Mary. How are you doing today? I'm well, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So could you tell me a little bit more about your role on campus? Sure. Uh, fortunately, I sit in the alumni house right at the center hub of campus, and I work within the advancement office and in particular the Remary Alumni Association. So my job is to engage our alumni with one another, to build a strong network of alumni, and to connect those alumni with Remary and support our current students, faculty, and staff. And so we wanted to talk to you today because we, you also have a large role in Women's Weekend, and also you are in a position of in campus where you are a leader, especially um, talking about like woman leaders. So what's that experience like being a woman leader on campus? Great question. So I was fortunate to be brought onto campus in my initial role, which was Director of Alumni Initiatives, to empower women. And I have very much felt empowered to do that. Uh, the world of advancement tends to be a little dominated by women anyway. And William & Mary is uh, no exception to that. We have a uh, wonderful representation of women on our advancement staff. And advancement is comprised of our fundraisers, our alumni engagers, and then our marketing and communications team. So in terms of my, coming to the work through the lens as a woman, uh, I have been surrounded by women and empowered by women, our alumni, and our, our staff as well. And as that role in advancement, I would assume that that would be a really like supportive and empowering community. Um, but could you talk a little bit, like either have you experienced any specific obstacles related to that, or like what are some maybe common obstacles that women unfortunately experience in positions of power? So I, I will happily say that I have been nothing but empowered at William Mary, but I can harken back to previous uh, positions that I have had. My um, original professional career path was in intercollegiate athletics. And so I served in a very heavily male-dominated organizations uh, and in, in often found that I was the only woman in a room. Um, what I will say in those experiences is that if I was willing to step forward and be that lone voice, sometimes being asked to represent all women, um, that could, that was often, I felt some pressure in terms of representing perspectives that I didn't share with other women. Um, but still, even in those circumstances, I found that once I felt empowered myself and built my own confidence as I began to speak, it was sort of unique to be the only woman that was speaking. And I found that people would listen. My male peers would listen and were really interested in the perspectives of women, women athletes, women coaches. And women's rights and women's issues have evolved so much over time. Like how you said, I mean, groups that have been discriminated against in the past, people will be more willing to listen to them. But you run into other problems like this one person like representing supposedly the views of that entire community and especially of women that's a lot <laughs> so I can imagine that it would be a lot of pressure and especially in someone of your position yeah pressure and opportunity Jenny I would say um it, it, the pressure on me was to really learn as much about my sisters and peers 
and their needs across all um, ranges of diversity. And so one of the paths that I found was to become engaged also with other underrepresented communities. So for example, when I was working with the National Collegiate Athletic Association, the NCAA, I volunteered to serve on a committee at that time that was called Minority Opportunities and Interests Committee. And that helped me to be surrounded by peers who were also underrepresented, although in all very different ways, um, but empowered all of us to learn from one another in ways that we could support one another. Mm -hmm. And so when we're speaking about empowering women, we can talk about Women's Weekend. So that takes place starting September 16th, correct? That is correct. We are launching our second Women's Weekend. The first was in 2018. It was uh, an event associated with the celebration of the admission of uh, women 100 years previously. So we were celebrating the centennial. And we had a wonderful weekend engaging faculty, staff, students, alumni. Um, the weekend is open to all men and women alike, but focused on featuring women speakers, presenters, leaders, uh, and women's experiences. Uh, and it was predominantly women attendees, but we had some men attend and celebrate uh, alongside us as well. And we had such a wonderful experience, we decided to do it on an ongoing basis. So our intention is to offer it once every three years. Um, this year, I can tell you some of the highlights of the program include our keynote speaker, who is um, Pulitzer Prize winning author Isabel Wilkerson. Uh, we are also offering 10 different breakouts on Saturday morning, featuring, featuring our own faculty, staff, and students. Sunday morning, it's my favorite highlight of the weekend. It, we call them Mary Talks. They are our version of TED Talks, and it features all William Mary women giving 15-minute talks. And I believe this year we have 24 different Mary Talks happening on Sunday morning on the widest variety of topics you could possibly imagine, but they all come from the perspective and the lens of women's experiences. This sounds like really cool talks. <laughs> they are a lot of fun. You know, on Saturday afternoon, one of the things that we have added this year is opportunities for our um, attendees, our William Mary women, to come back to campus and to see all the all aspects of campus. Especially with the pandemic, a number of our women have not been back to campus in a long time. A lot of things have developed on campus since they were last here in 2018, potentially. So we have tours uh, happening across campus. We have a tour at VIMS. We have a tour of the new Arts Quarter and uh, Muscarelli. We have a tour of the Entrepreneurship Center. We have a tour of uh, the Lemon Project in the Legacy Garden. We also have a tour with partnering Julia Wainford and the Bracewood, so our alumni can learn about that project. And those, those have been really um, a strong interest for those who are registering for the weekend. And it seems that an event like this, the benefit of going is not only to hear from the keynote speaker and other like Mary talk speakers, but also just to network and meet other people. Um, of course, like we were saying earlier, the experience of individual women is incredibly diverse, but also it can be an incredibly empowering community. So could you tell me, like to you, what is the importance of establishing these community connections? I don't think there's anything more important. Um, and if you are on the Sunken Garden on Friday afternoon, September 16th, you'll see evidence of that. We take a photo of the participants via drone and everyone coming together. 
uh, just that experience in and of itself, watching all of those women connect, uh, create new connections, connect with women they have not seen since maybe they were in college in 1982. We spend our lives in, um, in professional and in personal spaces that are men, women alike, and we all appreciate and live most of our lives in those environments. But it is nice once in a while to come together with people who share an identity with us. And that's especially true if it's an underrepresented identity. And so uh, I think coming together in support of one another, and I'll say one of the things we do not downplay that weekend is just having fun. So on Saturday afternoon, we host um, a wine, cheese, and chocolate reception where we just come together and have fun. And I will say after our first Women's Weekend in 2018, uh, we, we polled, surveyed the attendees and asked them what they enjoyed, what they'd like to see more of, what they would, would see less of. And the thing that we heard most loudly was unscheduled time, just to have time to connect with one another, to meet new people, to and to connect personally and at a professional level. Yeah, that, that's really amazing and great opportunities there. And another thing that I was going to ask you, kind of speaking of that, I've read a lot of articles that explain how a lot of times in our society now, as a result of misogyny, women are often pitted against each other, especially in places of power. And so, one, have you noticed this? And two, can you think of any ways that we can ameliorate that situation or any solutions? That's a great question. So I have to say, I, and maybe because it's my background is in, is in athletics, I have not personally experienced that sort of circumstance. And in fact, just the opposite. And I can give you an example. When I was applying for athletic director positions at the college level, um, this was many years ago, but a peer, a friend and peer who served on committees with me was applying at the same time. And we had similar experiences. Um, and so we ended up learning from one another that we were both applying for the same exact positions and we're sometimes interviewing against one another. And you know what came out of that was us both coming back from a given interview and calling the other and saying, hey, this was my experience there. These are some questions that you might want to ask of them. And in the end, we both uh, landed in positions that we love and that were the best fit for us. So, Jenny, it's not that it doesn't happen. I know it does happen, but my experience has been just the opposite. That's great. So, you know, asking the question around sort of how do we end it when it does happen, I think that same answer holds true, and that is building those personal relationships. And so I think that that level of getting to know the person that you are competing with, even though it may be hard, um, and, and trying to close uh, that lack of understanding of the importance of all, all rising tides. Mm -hmm. For me, at least, a lot of times when I talk about networking, I'm a little bit put off because I think sometimes I think of it as a rather shallow relationship. Like, like when I think of networking, I sometimes only think of like people meeting other people as connections for their own future. And I think that's definitely the wrong way to go about it. No question. Developing that deeper connection is certainly the key but to both individuals. A mentorship relationship to me that thrives is one where both people have something to gain in that relationship. And I hear this often from, and, and 
And in my work, I work with all of our underrepresented alumni communities. So it also includes our Black and African descent, our Asian Pacific Islander, Middle Eastern, our Latinx community, and our LGBTQ plus community. And so bringing those groups together has proven to be very valuable, learning about one another's experiences, but also providing opportunities for them to really deepen their relationships with one another. And that means believing, fully believing that you can gain from something in the relationship, even if it is someone who is in a position to hire and someone who is seeking to be hired together in a mentoring relationship, um, that's when a mentoring relationship really thrives. And do you have any advice for people who might have not had the opportunity to build these networks before? Like, how do you take that first step to seek out mentors or seek out peers that will build you up and help build the network? Yeah, so I'm a first generation um, low income college student many, many years ago, um, entering uh, college without ever having seen a family member or really having experiences with people who had attended colleges. And what I found then as an 18 year old, it's really twofold. One is putting yourself in a position where people see you. And so that means sort of stepping out of your comfort zone and attending things that might be called open houses or receptions. Um, that's not easy to do when you're underrepresented in any, in any way that you might be underrepresented. But also surrounding yourself with people that build your confidence right? and, and peers and others who will um, build you up. And it only takes one or two people. Right? It only takes one or two people in your sphere to help lift you when you need to be lifted um, and to make connections for you. So I think my answer to that is just start. Put yourself out there. Start. Find the people who are willing to uh, step into that role for you and then grow it from there. Absolutely. And when you start, you might come to a position maybe after school, maybe it's during school, but maybe you'll find yourself in a place where you have the resources to give back to the community that helped build you up. And that helps me transition to asking about the Society of 1918. Are you involved in that? Yes. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful collective of women it is. So the Society of 1918 started in 2017, and they started formulating themselves. But it was a collection of about 25 women who wanted to grow the level of engagement and leadership and philanthropy of other women and married women. Women are now 54% of the alumni body and close to 58% of our student body. And so they, their perception was that women were not garnering the kind of influence at William and Mary that they had the collective power to find. And so ultimately they created the Society in 1918. They created an endowment um, and they really, that first time around, decided to create, uh, set a very high bar, they thought. And the bar was to raise $1 million. They wanted 100 women on the occasion of the 100-year celebration to commit to $10,000 each to create this $1 million endowment. And the funds in the endowment have to be used to grow the engagement, leadership, and philanthropy of women married women. And so that endowment um, is invested and the interest that is gained from that investment we um, use to provide programming like Women Married Women's Weekend. 
It is on the writing for Cross of Bringing Isabel Wilkerson to join us as our keynote. It is underwriting all of the costs that we can to keep the price so that everyone can attend. Um, and so their initial goal was 100 million, $1 million. And for it to be an endowment, so it never went away, those funds will always be available to us. Today, the society has 538 women and they have raised $4.8 million that will be available to us into perpetuity um, to support the growth of the um, engagement, leadership, and philanthropy of women and women. It's incredible. It's been a phenomenal ride, and it's just an incredible collection of women who have come together to make a difference. And now they are shifting, sort of realizing their goals around the endowment to they were by women for women, sort of their tagline. They are now shifting it to by women for women in there because there's so much potential impact that they can have at William Mary beyond the support of women. Um, so we are in the midst of doing that now and I'm very much looking forward to what initiatives they choose to take on next. Absolutely. And the Society of 1918 encourages the cultivation of, quote, uh, inspirational leaders and, quote, a phenomenal life. So what to you is a phenomenal life? What does that mean? Yeah, so there's to me personally, and then I think to the those who wrote that um, description, I think for those who wrote that description, there was no specific phenomenal life. It was in the eyes of the beholder. And that is one of the amazing things about it. It's a very diverse collection of women from um, very young, 2020 graduates, through we have a graduate from 1936. And so for them, I think they realized up front that that would be in the eyes of the beholder. For me, a phenomenal life, to be frank, is doing exactly what I do. And that is bringing people together to um, feel a sense of belonging, to feel a sense of community, to feel um, in my professional work, a connection to William & Mary and interest in making sure that William & Mary is phenomenal as it can be going forward as a collective university. And if someone is really interested in the Society of 1918, but is not quite yet in a position where they have the resources to uh, donate, how can one support the Society of 1918? Well, a couple of ways. One of the things that the Society has been able to do is to, they offer a young guard rate. So that is if you are uh, graduated within the last 10 years, you can uh, join for $5,000. And it's over a five-year period, so it's a thousand dollars a year. So it's about eighty-three dollars a month. So they've added that rate for military and active service veterans. They've added that rate for faculty and staff, and they've added that rate for young guard because they really want to diversify their membership and recognize the the giving level might have been a barrier for some. But the other thing that they've done is they've provided scholarships for graduating students, membership scholarships. They scholarship $4,000 of it and ask the graduating student to commit to $1,000, which equates to $16.93 a month, just so happens. And that application comes out in January. Um, so we look forward to receiving those applications and bringing along our youngest graduates uh, to join us. In some of the other areas that they, they have supported a graduate fellow in support of women student athletes, the endowment has. They supported a graduate fellow in uh, the Center for Racial and Social Justice 
at William Mary to bring programming through the lens of students out of that center. They supported wellness initiatives on campus. So students are taking advantage of some lamps and rides to appointments that they have underwritten with the cost of. So you may be connecting with the society in ways that you didn't even realize you were connecting with the society. Um, and I'll, the last thing I'll say is ask if students are interested in connecting with the society. Occasionally I'll have a student say, I would look, I'm seeking a mentor with this, this description in this professional field or who shares this identity. And we can make one-to-one matches for students who are interested in that. The number one thing I hear from our alumni in terms of ways they would like to support William Mary in addition to their philanthropy is to support our community students. And that holds true in particular for all of our underrepresented communities. So whether it's from the identity lens of race, ethnicity, gender, um, LGBTQ status, we, we really strive to make those connections. It's just incredible what people can accomplish with that network. Yeah. And one more question, and it's really broad, but what is one piece of advice or one piece of information that you have for young women in college that they might have misunderstood or not known before? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if I had to bring it to one, it would probably be that you can likely do more than you think you can do, all by taking advantage of the network that you have built, right? By investing in collective efforts, whether it's your athletic team, your sorority, your cultural group, whatever that group is, you likely are a stronger leader than you realize, and that you may lead from lots of different perspectives. There are many different kinds of leaders. But it'd be along the lines of Matthew, I guess, and that is just do it. You can do it, just do it. Thank you so much, Dr. Cushman. And I hope that the Women's Weekend goes very well. It sounds so exciting, so empowering. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us today. Sure thing. Thank you. And as uh, you're walking around campus, uh, September 16th to 18th, reach out and say hello to our alumni and connect with them. That's that's one of the ways that you can just start, right? to connect with Solomon's campus. So it'll be over 300 women on campus that weekend. So I hope you and your sister and brother students will say hello to our alumni when they're back on campus. All right. And thank you also to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Calder Sprinkle, and myself, Jenny Hellman-Dollar. <laughs>